Hey, good morning, folks. Uh, we're uh, in a transition period here as we continue to offer the online teaching resources and things like that, and also conduct in-person services starting today, the 21st, and we're thankful to be able to do that. And if you are unable to join us for in-person, we're going to continue to make these available for you so that uh, so that you can track along with us as we finish out the book of Mark and continue into uh, the next few years and series that we have. Uh, the 20. Seventh, uh, we're going to have an opportunity to serve the community as well. So next Saturday, the 27th, down at Johnstown High School at 11 a.m., there'll be some trucks arriving to unload boxes of food. And we've done this several times this year, but I really want you to make a concerted effort to think about it. Be there at 11 o'clock to help unload and organize the truck. At 1 o'clock, we'll begin to distribute the food to cars as they pull through the parking lot. So 11 a.m. to help unload and organize, and then 1 o'clock is the opportunity to actually distribute the food to the cars that have come uh, to receive that gift. And so uh, that's the 27th, Johnstown High at 11 a.m. That's the, the big thing happening this week on Saturday. As we continue into uh, Mark, we're going to continue with Chapter 4 this week, and I can't help but feel a sense of comfort from Mark chapter 4. First of all, it's a familiar parable, the, the parable of the sower, and something that I have heard a number of times throughout my life growing up and really enjoyed that parable as well as some of the other teachings that are there. But the book continues at its fast pace and at the end of chapter 4, we see one of the opportunities for Jesus to to interact with all of creation. And we see the disciples caught in a storm. And, and I can't help but feel comfort in knowing that God knew uh, what we need to hear maybe today. And so I hope that, that this will help you as we think about what it looks like to, to continue to move on with life under different circumstances. And in chapter 4, verse 1, uh, it starts with Jesus entertaining a large crowd again. It says, And Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And so there's this large crowd again, as has been the theme so far. There's this large gathering of people on the shore. And Jesus decides that it'd be easier for him to just get in a boat to get away from the folks a little bit, get out into the water and teach from there. So that he has some distance and can, can be more uh, user-friendly, as we would maybe term it. So you see this picture of this large crowd. And Ben encouraged us and challenged us last week to really think about um, what it would be like to be part of the large crowd that follows Jesus? Are you lost in that crowd of people that are kind of just following along to see what it is that he does, still trying to figure him out? Or, or have you committed and are you a disciple? It's a question worth answering. As you think about even today, as we interact with this Mark chapter 4 and, and Jesus calming the storm, 
What is it that, that you find yourself engaged in right now? Anxiety, whether it's just following the crowd, trying to figure out whether or not I do this or do that, or where am I getting my answers? And I encourage you to go back to the Word and to the teachings of Jesus that, that He teaches here this large group, right? And and he's continuing to open up the scriptures to him. He's continuing to communicate them to them, lots of things. And then in verse 23, specifically, he says, If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And this is a phrase that as he's engaged with these large crowds, he brings up, if anyone has ears to hear, eyes to see, he's encouraging those that are really tuned into his message to continue to listen, to really understand what it is that he's saying, not just follow him, but become a disciple. And he uses that phrase over and over in some of his parables. He tells these elaborate parables, and then he says, if anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. And those who are really tuned into who Jesus is and believe that he is the Son of God have an understanding. And that's something that we have the opportunity to, to know even more in depth as we understand how the Holy Spirit helps us to illuminate the scriptures and enlighten us to help guide us, to give us some little bumps and nudges throughout the day as we contend with some of the, the physical nature of our world and, and include some of those spiritual principles it's really key that, that we understand Jesus addresses these large crowds, but inside of those parables, he is also drawing out those that would be his true disciples, those that would, that would actually hear what he is saying. We know that he called the 12 and then he spent a lot of time with them, but there were others that there were kind of these concentric rings, right? You've got this group of 12 men around him and then you've got this group of disciples that actually hear and understand that, that Jesus is God. He's the Messiah, that he's, he's the one that's come to give them answers. And then you have these followers and this larger group and this bigger ring of people that want to see what he's up to, who he is. They think he's neat. Right? They really want to see him heal people. They want to see their world changed by him. But they're not really going to be there when the rubber meets the road later on. And so I started at this very beginning to give you the picture of how a day might have gone. He has this large crowd. He pushes out from shore. And then by the end of the chapter in verse 35, we see that evening was coming in. Right, So in verse 35 of chapter 4, that day when evening came, he said to the disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with them. So Jesus takes his boat that he's been teaching in and, and, he, and he pushes off from shore a little further and he says, let's go to the other side. Let's, let's move away from the large crowds. Let's, let's get together in our small group and, and talk about what has happened today. And so they push off from shore. He was done teaching. They pile into the boat and off they go. Throughout this chapter, we see the evidence of Jesus teaching 
lots of people, but we also see him teaching at a deeper level, right? If you're reading the chapters with us, and I hope you are, you're going to pick out some of these phrases. As he addresses the large group, right, he also then spends time with just his disciples. At least twice in this passage that I know of, that, I, that I'm sure of, in verse 10, he says he gets alone with the 12, right? The, the, the writer here, John Mark, says that, that Peter told him of many times when they got alone. In verse 10, he got alone with the 12. In verse 34, it also says he was alone with his own disciples. So right before this, in verse 34, Jesus was alone with his disciples. In verse 10, he got alone with his disciples. And he explains some of the parables and some of his teachings to this smaller group more in depth and spends more and more time with him. And that's really what this end of the chapter is going to be, is him showing them something that not everybody is going to get a chance to see, that not everybody is prepared for. And it's a tremendous teaching. It's a tremendous teaching opportunity for the twelve and for us encapsulated in just these last five verses or so four or five verses we see a teaching point for Jesus to really get in kind of the face of the disciples and question like do you really understand again he's already said things to the crowd and he says if, if you have ears to hear or eyes to see then then listen and then hear then see what I'm actually all about and he uses this story to kind of do the same thing for the disciples in more of an intimate way. And, and so he has spent the day teaching. They shove off into the water and we get this opportunity, this window into him interacting with his disciples. And, and as most teachers do, uh, I know I'm in the habit of doing it on a Sunday afternoon after I have spent time teaching in the morning. My, my emotional and physical energy is low, and so I take a nap, and so Jesus finds himself asleep in a boat inside of this story, which I think is pretty humorous as well, uh, and, and maybe I, I want to attribute my Sunday afternoon naps to, to learning more about Jesus, but in verse 37, chapter 4, a furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And there's this picture that they've been together all day. They've pushed off from shore. They're out on this ocean, this sea, they call it. It's actually a large body of water, but you can see across it. So it's a lake as we would understand it. You can see from shore to shore and, and this body of water sits in a valley and sometimes these depressions flip in and out of it and, and storms come very quickly in this region. And so this furious squall picks up and, and he directed them out onto this water and, and he's with them in the boat, but he is directing them out into the middle of this lake and he directs them really into the storm. They don't necessarily know there's a storm coming. There's no indication that they would understand it. They seem very caught off guard by it, but they're listening to Jesus and he directs them and goes with them out onto this lake 
and they're in the middle of a storm together. As I thought about this past few months, in my mind, this story is such comfort. You know, March the 12th seems like a long time ago, but it was a morning that, uh, that I sat alone, um, overlooking the valley that goes into Bedford County here in Pennsylvania. And I thought about the COVID-19 and how it might impact our world and that they were telling us things that, that we had never quite heard before. It was the very beginning of things that, that maybe we were going to have to to cancel some things, some large sporting events, stuff like that. And, and we decided that day I put together a letter just to introduce the concept to Liberty Grace here locally that that we might have to make some changes in light of COVID-19. Sent that out that Thursday, the 12th. And little did I know that by the end of the day, a squall would come up, that they would have begun to cancel large sporting events such as uh, March Madness basketball, all of those tournament teams, the conference basketball tournaments, the wrestling tournaments that were the end of the year national tournament stuff. And these dominoes began to fall and this squall began to pick up intensity all around us. By March 15th, that Sunday, we had already decided because everything large group had been canceled and all of these things had started to fall, we had to make the agonizing decision to think about doing just online church services to do that uh, as a way to prevent the spread of COVID-19. I can't help but think about the disciples in this boat as they cross the the lake and this unseen wind of the storm begins to pick up and that's kind of how all of this started for us was there was these unseen forces these things that were pressing in and creating some some changes to us we felt their influence but we weren't sure what it was going to be and then all of a sudden the the waves began to build and and our boat was taking on water and the disciples I'm sure didn't wake Jesus right away, right? It doesn't say they, they went to him immediately. It says that, that this squall came up and things began to circle around them and, and the waves were breaking over the boat now and things had gotten to such a fever pitch that they were afraid the boat was going to be full of water. And I can see them bailing right first, trying to get water out of the boat and, and thinking about how can we do things to help and and all the while Jesus is sleeping in the stern and they become frustrated and yet their first interaction with him is to wake him and say, don't you even care? And it seems as to me that that was in the course of the story that they thought, man, maybe we should wake up Jesus. They allowed their fear and anxiety and, and other things to get to such a place that finally they said, man, maybe we should get Jesus involved. And, and for me, I know that, that this was something we did prayerfully and how we handled all these things, but 
this opportunity to look into this situation uh, that the disciples found themselves in, com in to compare it to what it is that we have been going through. I couldn't help but draw a lot of parallels in how we approached Jesus. They went to him in, in a pretty ragged state. They were concerned for their lives and they didn't just ask him to help, but they asked about his motives. Do you even care? They questioned whether or not he truly cared about them. Don't you see what's going on? Why don't you just stop it? Jesus knew what was going on. <laughs> he was God. He knew what was going on in my life as this squall picked up intensity as I tried to grapple with the, the two seniors that live in my home, my daughter from college, my son from high school, and they wrestle with what it was going to be like to end their school years at home. My 10-year-old trying to explain why we weren't going to be visiting with friends or she wasn't able to go to school to finish her school year. Um, it picked up intensity and there were moments when I really furiously wanted to shake Jesus and say, why don't you stop this? And I remembered that this story, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And he is the one that directed them and he went with them into the storm. I know it sounds a bit casual to say it most of the time. We use it uh, almost flippantly, but it is an incredible teaching that we need to continually be reminded of that, that Jesus doesn't promise us a life without storms. He never, he never allows the disciples to go out into these storms alone. That's the example. He shows up in the midst of the storm. He doesn't tell us we're not going to have issues or difficulties, that squalls won't come up. But we tend to forget it. We panic, we, in our anxiety, allow the situation around us to overwhelm us, and we forget that Jesus knows exactly what's going on. No matter what we face, I'm not sure if the disciples panicked. I know that, that they woke him and asked specifically if, if he cares about them, and they seemed pretty overwhelmed. And when he gets up in verse 39, Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and says to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you still afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have any faith? 
And they were terrified. And then they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And they were still learning about who he was and really digesting, right? Their ears were hearing, their eyes were seeing that this man was not just about changing the physical situation and complexion of the world, but he had total control over it that he could speak to the wind and the waves, those things that circle around them and threaten their life, he can quiet them. That he had power over all of those things. I found it interesting that first Jesus deals with the storm, right? He steps up, says, quiet, be still. He deals with the storm around them, and then his attention turns right to his disciples. And he questions them. Do you still not know who I am? Are you still afraid? Every time a storm picks up around you, don't you get that, that you can have faith that I will be there with you? So he first deals with the storm and then he deals with his disciples. And I want us to think about those things in context of the world we're in right now as we're tra transitioning. I pray that you understand that Jesus is not caught off guard, that our God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that has not changed, and he will deal with this storm in our world that is, that is raging, and he will deal with it in a way that most effectively deals then with his disciples. The point of the storm is to show you how powerful our world is around us, and maybe God is trying to get his disciples to pay attention. Maybe he wants us to learn something. And so, first of all, they say, who is this, right? That even the winds and the waves obey him. So, so do you believe that God is more powerful than the storms around you? At the end of the day, when they pushed off into this lake and this squall comes up, did they really believe that he was God and that he was more powerful than any storm? They obviously went to him and they woke him up hoping right? They put their hope in him at the end of the day. Do you believe that? Have you actually gone to Jesus yet? Are you still trying to bail water out of the boat? <laughs> Are you still trying to, to keep the boat afloat by your own means? Or have you gone to Jesus for the peace and stillness that he offers for your own heart? It's an opportunity for us as disciples to be dealt with as well. Are you still afraid? There's nothing wrong with, with being concerned about COVID. It is a real disease. But there's a difference between allowing precautions and concern and there's a, and there's a way of living in fear that is different. Are you living in fear of something that is more powerful than your God? I'm not, again, telling you to put God to the test. 
take precautions, do what it is that feels right in your heart, but but also understand that God knows exactly where you're out at and he cares for you. You've heard me use this phrase and it used to be above me <laughs> in my other room, but we've had chaos inside of our house as well. And so I had to even move recording studios here. And The tragedy of life is not what people suffer, but it's what they miss. The disciples found themselves in the middle of a lake with a storm all around them and, and it could have been a tragedy. They were, they were concerned for their lives and they let it swirl around them. But in the end, I don't think they missed it. I think they come to this conclusion, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? They didn't miss that Jesus was right there with them and that he had their best interests at heart. The tragedy of this entire situation is not what we will suffer through it, economically, emotionally, physically, but will we miss that, that God has been there with us through this storm, that he promises something outside of our reality, beyond our understanding, a world for eternity. And if we have ears to hear and eyes to see, it's a tremendous thing that we can do if we take time as we come out of this to really assess who is this? What is it that we are supposed to be learning? I pray that you take some stock of the last few weeks and months. What is it that you truly missed? Yes, there were a lot of extracurricular things canceled, concerts, ball games, things like that, but, but what is it that we learned or gained from that time? How should we allow it to reorient our lives to move forward? How has this storm allowed for clarity of who God is in our life, the place that he holds? Are we willing to continue to, to just be part of that large crowd that goes to church because it's the right thing to do, that it's a part of our life, or are we going to boil it down and become a disciple and say, no, church, following Jesus, studying his scriptures, understanding who he is, is the most important thing, and allow that to impact what it is that we do with our time. I pray that that these few verses have the same impact on you as they did on me. That as we see Jesus dealing with the large crowds, the, the somewhat loosely knit group of followers that will follow him to the other side of the lake, and then his disciples that, that are in the trenches with him and see the full extent of who he is, I pray that we are continuing to be drawn to that circle that we become more and more about Jesus in our world, that we care about people and their eternities so much that we invest our lives in them, that we give of ourselves to the mission of Jesus. That's what I want us to be about 
Church, it's time. It's time to continue what we were doing before, but do it in a way that is beneficial to the cause of Jesus. To get back to meeting together, yes, but also to invest the time that's necessary in small groups, deepening our faith and in service to our community. Those three things, Sunday mornings, small groups, and service in our community. And you have the opportunity to do all of those things if you make them a priority. If you allow this storm to shake things up and refocus and recenter your life. The tragedy of life is not what we will suffer through this, but what we miss. Don't miss the opportunity. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Lord, I pray that you would continue to draw us into your will, that we would see it more clearly, that we would allow our eyes to see and our ears to hear what it is that you want to do with us. Lord, thank you for loving us and for being with us through the storm. In Jesus' name, amen.